Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> I want to just share something that I felt the Lord putting on my heart on just embracing God's presence and purpose. Embracing God's presence and purpose. And uh, people need God. So the thing is, church is all about God, really. God and people. Loving God and encountering God, experiencing God, and all those wonderful dimensions that He has. You can't get enough of God. You know, you can have too little, but you can never have enough. You never have too much. And God is the most wonderful person. He reveals Himself to us. We can't know Him unless He reveals us Himself. And we position ourselves for God to reveal Himself. And we have our own concepts of God. Many people have got wrong ideas about God. And the ideas you have about God will affect how you relate to Him. If you see Him cold and judgmental and distant and remote and not interested and far from you, you can't relate to anyone like that. You will remain distant and aloof and shut down yourself. So we need to understand that God reveals Himself as, as being gracious. That lovely word, gracious. Full of grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth. It's the balance of the two. So God revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. But God reveals Himself continually as being extraordinarily gracious. And that means, uh, if you ever met a person who's very gracious, then they leave an impact on you. There's, there's a sweetness about them. There's a, there's a gentleness about them. And there's, they're not judgmental or pushy or harsh on you. There's just a flow that brings refreshing. It's like a river when you're with a gracious person. And uh, that's what God is like, gracious. Gracious and loving and, and kind and forgiving. And we're to be like that. We're to, to represent the God we worship. The truth is, whatever you worship, you will represent. Whatever has got your heart will shape what you are like. And then you'll worship, the, what you worship, you will represent. The Bible says when they worship idols, then they, they actually then become hard and become like the idols they worship. So whatever, if we worship and become intimate with God and make God our very best friend, then what happens? Our life begins to soften and change. And we can begin to bring Christ to people. The Bible says, let your words always be with grace. In other words, that they might impart encouragement to others, impart grace to others. So God wants us to carry ourselves and carry our life and represent Him very well in the community. Many times people hate God, not because they hate God, but because what they see Him represented like they hate. People hate hypocrisy. People want the authentic. They want to see that in spite of all your faults, failings, weaknesses and lacks, that nevertheless God is good all the time and His goodness is showing in your life. And that is what God is like. He's truly like that. And this is, a, this is a, a thing that puzzles people continually. It's because our, in our own mentality, we tend to think something like this, that if we deserve it, we'll get good things. If we don't deserve it, we won't. And so we divide our world up to those who are deserving, those who are not deserving. Those who are deserving, well, they deserve it, so we'll be nice to them. Those who are not deserving, well, you're not deserving. I'm going to withhold from you. Now, that is actually living in the flesh. God wants us to learn to live in the Spirit, to actually understand and experience God, then show what He is like. And He is kind to the just and the unjust alike. He pours His goodness out on every person. But often in church we have this mentality that, well, we're the blessed people of God, God won't bless unsaved people. But actually, anyone who's seen how He moves in miracles will realize often there's more miracles among unsaved people than there are people in the church. It's an extraordinary thing. It's as though God gives his best out there to help us keep understanding he's gracious and he loves people. And so we're going to look at the story of a man, a man of God, 
a man though with very limited capacity, a man with a limited worldview, a man with internal attitudes that restricted him being able to represent God well. And this man is like many, many believers. This man had an experience with God. The Bible says of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet. And in 2 Kings, I think in chapter 14, it tells us that he prophesied and, and God moved on his prophetic words and there was restoration under King Jeroboam at that time and, and there was uh, many wonderful things happened. He had a very good prophetic ministry. He flowed very well in the gift of the Spirit in the area of prophetic. So clearly he had an experience with God, he encountered the presence of God and he was able to minister God in a measure to people. He had a prophetic gift. And, uh, but he was extraordinarily limited in his capacity. He was extraordinarily limited in his worldview. He was extraordinarily limited in his heart reaching out to embrace people beyond the ones he was comfortable with. And he's like many Christians that we don't mind experiencing God and having his presence touch our lives and perhaps move a little in the gifts. But God is wanting you to get a, a big worldview, a big view. You need to understand God is a big God and has a heart for a city and in one day can change a city not hard for God to change a city, but what is hard for God is to get us to turn our hearts to represent Him properly, to represent Him as He is, not according to what we think, to actually carry a real, authentic, loving, gracious God to people. And this was the issue that surrounded Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. You'll love it. Let's get into it. So we start off in Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord. <laughs> I love that. But God, you know. It's always a great kind of thing. But God. Now you notice here the statement, the presence of the Lord. It's mentioned a number of times. Presence of the Lord. That's not just that we know God is everywhere. This is actually tangible presence of God interconnecting with a human being so you feel His presence, experience His presence, and enjoy connecting with Him. And in the presence of God, we begin to have our lives changed. God is a spirit. So when God begins to manifest His presence around our life, we have a spiritual influence that shapes us and makes us much better. You and I choose what kind of atmosphere we have around our life. You and I choose whether we live in the presence of God or whether we allow negativity, uh, allow demonic spirits to come around us, heaviness to oppress us, self-pity to come around. And it's all about where you set your mind because the Bible said those who have set their mind on the flesh will walk in the flesh. Those who set their mind on the things of the Spirit, Romans 8, 4, will walk in the Spirit. So God wants us to walk Spirit-empowered, Spirit-filled, carrying the Holy Ghost life in the presence of God is great joy. So joy is something that comes to us living in God's presence. Wonderful joy. Say, a wonderful joy. <laughs> a great joy, not something that's worked up because you thought of something funny, but it's a joy God gives. It's in our spirit. It's a fruit of responding to a lifestyle of living with Him. Great joy. I love it. Jesus said, the joy I have, I give to you. And that joy, no man can take it away. So why have we got so many miserable people? Who took the joy away? Think about that. 
Well, it, it's simple. You traded it. You traded your joy, which is your right heritage and God's gift to you, well, for some problem. That's all. Some problem, some worry, some care. Let the joy go. <laughs> it's not very nice to have a joyless life. A happy place is a place where God is. Find God brings joy into our lives. Well, joy should express on our, on our face and our countenance. So the presence of the Lord, fullness of joy. No wonder Moses cried out and said, Lord, if you won't be with us and tangibly here, we're not going anywhere. How would anyone know we're different? Yeah, we're not that smart. We're not that good looking. We're not that rich or anything like that. How will anyone know we're distinctive unless your presence is tangibly with us, your hand on our life, the felt presence of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? David said the same thing. Oh, there's one thing I want more than anything, to be in the presence of God. Now that's something you choose and have a right and access. You choose to access God. By faith we have access to God. By faith we can come into His presence. But you've got to believe that. Act like you believe it. Stand up. Push the heaviness aside. And learn to live and joy and carry the presence of God. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, be full of the joy of the Lord. Now why not? Depressed people are part of the problem. Oh, really? You know, Jesus came to Bruce a light atmosphere and joy and bring heaven to earth. And so we have to learn how to carry joy in our life, how to carry the presence of God. It's not hard to do. Just keep not sinning and keep your heart directed to Him and start to rejoice in Him. Get your mind. Those who have their minds stayed on you, you'll keep them in perfect peace. So it's about fixing your mind and your heart and affections on the Lord. That doesn't mean you don't attend to other things, but you're continually referring to Him to keep and to manage your emotions and your attitudes. And so let's go. So here we go, the presence of the Lord. Well, I love the presence of God. In fact, if the church doesn't have the presence of God, something's really wrong. Because church is about the presence of God with God's people. We gather together to have fun, to talk, to laugh. But often people just reduce it to singing a few songs. And they're not even that singing very hard. If you sing half-heartedly, well, how will God come into that, you know? So, whoa, give them our best. Glory to God. Come here to give them the best. Well, not to feel his presence straight away. And so we need to just give them the best. Give them the very best. In a couple of minutes, giving them the very best is better than a whole hour giving them half-hearted. They're always like that. They go, very best to God. Now come in there and we arrive on time and I've got an appointment with God. Oh, yes, let me in there. You know, it's an attitude. It's a way you carry your life about valuing the presence of God. So anyway, Jonah, now in the presence of God, you get assignments from God. So the first thing is we need to love and value His presence. Need to love it in the church. Need to love God's presence here. Something's not right. Something we don't get breakthrough. Then don't judge it all. Just find a way to you rise up. You break through. Enough people break through. Everything breaks through. Well, we've got to decide. We just stand up and we want to live and enjoy God's presence. But you know, in the presence of God, God always gives us assignments. In other words, God doesn't want you just to enjoy His presence. He also wants you to have an assignment from him that's unique to him. Now notice it said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, rise up and go forth. So that means he was in the presence of God. Because you can't run away from the presence of God unless you were first in it. So he's in the presence of God, and then God speaks to him, which is what we want to have happen. You, know, you keep a journal, and you write down the things God's saying to you, and take note of what God's saying, and, and God speaks to him. But what God says to him, he doesn't like. I don't agree with that. He had an opinion. Oh, I don't like that idea. That's not, 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 I'm not onto that at all. You know, something like, you know, you need to love one another in the church. Oh, I don't like that idea at all. I don't agree with it. Just not on for me at all. I'm not into that at all. It's not my thing. You know, I'm, I'm a prophet. 
know. Give that to a pastor to do, but that's not for me, you know. That's not my thing, you know. But, you know, God says, you know, this is how people know you, my disciples, by your loved one for another. So what happens is he's picky and choosy about what he'll agree with. So God says to him, Jonah, I've got an assignment to you. See that great city of Nineveh? That huge city. It was a big city too, surrounded by walls about 100 feet high. and About three, three chariots could race around the top. It was a huge city full of all these people. But it was a very powerful city, a very evil city. Very evil city. Eh? And full of people that were opposed to the things of God. They were unsaved people on their way to hell. They were totally lost. And here's God's idea. Why don't you go to them? It's, a, it's, as, it's as old as you have. You, in the presence of God, go to the lost. It's an original idea, isn't it, eh? Now Jesus come up with the same idea. You go to the lost. That's a good thing, isn't it? Eh? That's a, it's a good idea that God has. See, that's what Father said to the Son. You go to the lost. It's good, isn't it? That's the heart of God. God loves, therefore he goes. He goes and does something. So, so Jonah... I've got a grand idea. You listening? Yeah, 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 yeah. Speak, Lord. I'm loving this prophetic flow. Okay. Go to Nineveh. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't like that. And so what he did was he did exactly the opposite. He said he fled from the presence of the Lord. He ran away. I don't know how you think you can run away from God. Psalm 139 says you can't run away from God. He's everywhere. But anyway, he thought he had a good idea. I'll run away from God. This is the funniness we have, you know. So Jonah's, God's saying, go that way. He turns around and he says, I'm going this way. He fled from the presence of God. It's a sort of a weird sort of thing when you think about it, isn't it? A lot of people have fled from the presence of God. Like you get, uh, in Genesis, you had Adam and Eve and they sinned. And then they hear God coming. (laughs) What they do? Let's get out of here. Let's hide. They're going to hide behind the tree, you know. How do you hide from God? God just says, where are you? Okay? And then Elijah, Elijah got, he, he ran away too. He ran away from his assignment. Hid in a cave. A lot of people hide in a cave. Talk to them in this deep voice way back in the cave. I'm not coming out. Cave Christians, huh? <laughs> Running from the presence of God. So when we come and we try to engage the presence of God, the voice from the back of the cave, leave me alone. It's the devil's prayer, leave me alone. No? And so, so, so we see here, run away. They're running away from God. Rise to go, run away. But you see, God always in his presence gives you an assignment. Elijah got an assignment in the presence of God. See, Isaiah got an assignment in the presence of God. The disciples got an assignment in the presence of God. The presence of God and assignments for life go together. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. If you just have presence of God and you don't have assignments to go out into the world to make a difference, then you just end up in just sort of some spiritual fantasy world, but definitely not with the heart of God. The heart of God is to bring us into intimacy from which assignments for life emerge. So if you run from the presence of God, you will run from your assignment as well. That goes automatically hand in hand. And if you're running from your assignment, then you are running from the presence of God. It goes hand in hand, just like you run from one or the other. So he ran away from the presence of God. Ran away, just ran away. And of course, the problem is when you run from the presence of God, your life changes a little bit. And so he went down. You know, so the word down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tosha, paid the fare. It always costs you to run away from God. 
none of him surviving. Now you've got to provide for yourself. He went down into the boat and went away with him and Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Well, now you see, God didn't change his plan because you ran away. Neither did he give up on you because you ran away. He just keeps saying, oh, it's okay. You watch what I do. So Jonah's thinking, man, I've got it made now. That God, you know. Huh? Fancy thinking me going to Nineveh. I know I'm going to Nineveh. You know, and so here he is, so he's away. And so now the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and it was a mighty tempest on the sea, and the ship was about to be broken up, and the experienced sailors were terrified. So they threw the cargo out that was in the ship in the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ships, and he was laid out, he was fast asleep. And the captain came and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Rise up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will help us so we don't perish. And they said to one another, come on, let's cut. we've got to find out who did this. This is where this casting the lots get, you know, the Jonah. And so they cast the lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Okay, tell us, what's the cause of this trouble? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you from? And he said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the earth and dry land. Uh, then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, why have you done this? They knew he'd fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So he connected some issues with his running away from God. A lot of people don't connect their running away from God with issues in their life. They just don't get the connection at all. But there are a whole number of things come up. So when you run away from God, and Adam ran away from God, and Elijah ran away from God, but at the end of the day, you have some issues. And there's a number of issues come up. Here, here they are very, very quickly. See, there's a whole number of things happen in our life when we run from God or run from His assignment. Here's, here's the first one that happens. So you notice... Uh, that one of the first things is we find a substitute. When you've got to run away from God, you're also running away from what He called you to do. So now you've got to find something to fill the gap. You find a substitute. You find a boat going somewhere. Or you find an idol, something that'll fill your life. You get a hobby. You know, and I've watched some people have wonderful hobbies and consume all their life. I watch, it's fascinating. Money, and you're just wrapped up in the hobby. Now, we better not name any because we may have some here. Last time I mentioned model trains. I had someone come up afterwards. <laughs> a bottle drains, you know. And uh, <laughs> you go over the park over the road from us, and you see growing men. They've got a little thing in their hand. You see little cars all racing around. Thing. But what about your eternal assignment? You're playing with cars, not even real cars. Come on. I was over there driving by. I stopped to see one guy. He had a helicopter thing. A helicopter. What are you doing? Your life is disappearing. Substitutes. Okay, first thing, substitutes. Second thing is you develop an uncaring heart for people. You notice he didn't care about anyone. He's fast asleep when everyone's dying, and he's, he's, he's fast asleep. So another thing that happens is you just stop caring about people. You're not interested in people. One thing that, that the presence of God brings is a softness that opens our heart to care about people. We all know you get healed, you start to love and care for people. You get Jesus in you, you start to care about people. You start to see them differently, value them differently. When you walk away from the presence of God, you become harder inside, but you don't know it. You're just asleep. So that's the other thing that happens. You become spiritually asleep and unaware of all the things that are going on. You actually, just, you actually don't see what's happening. Terrible thing, spiritual sleep. Jesus said, watch and pray. And so watching and prayer keeps you alive, awake to what's going on, being open to the prophetic word of God into your life. 
another thing is the storms came. See, it's interesting that there was a storm came. And the storm came not only on him, but it came those around him. So sometimes there are storms of crisis around people who are running from God's assignment or running from his presence. Issues come up. And people don't always connect the issue that's coming up. You've got to look and say, well, how did I get into that storm? You know, what, what is God trying to teach me in the middle of the storm? Some people, a storm comes, they just cry, help, 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 someone save me. You know, actually, no, 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 redirect back to the Lord who's the Savior. And come back to your place of rest and peace and find out what to do in the storm. Ask people in the storm, would you pray and talk to the Lord? No, 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 please help me, counsel me. No, 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 no. Jesus is there to help you. He's the one who overcomes storms. Go to him first. See if you can find out if there's a reason for the storm and what he wants you to do about it. Isn't that a good thought? You know? And then, of course, there's an emptiness and losses. Because you are empty when you've lost your purpose and lost the presence of God. Most people go to the pub when they get in that kind of place. You've got to find something, something to fill the emptiness that's there. And it's a terrible place to run from the presence of God. To run from the presence of God. Now, you can be here in the middle of a meeting, but you're running from the presence of God and what God wants you to do. You're just running away. And so you're going through the motions, but the heart isn't connecting. heart has long since shut down, gone to sleep, and become distant. And, and that's, what, that's what rebelling against God, have our opinions about God's work and all kinds of things we have opinions about. And that's what happened. But you see, so what happened is, it got so bad in there, and I said, What's gonna, what can we do? He said, you better chuck me overboard. I'm the cause of the problem. So they prayed, asked God to forgive them for what they're about to do, for what we're about to do. Lord, have true mercy on us. <laughs> Throw them overboard. Immediately it came. And of course, God had prepared. So God isn't caught by surprise when we muck up. He's got a big fish out there waiting for you. So anytime you want to run from the presence of God, I can assure you there is a big fish waiting to swallow you up. Could be an alcoholic fish. <laughs> a drug fish waiting to get you. Sexual fish. They're all out there. Relationship. All kinds of things are waiting to swallow up those who abandon God, give up the call of God, and try to run away, there is a big fish there ready for you. And I could imagine Jonah, he's in the water there, and now he's starting to have a different opinion. I don't know, actually he didn't. All he was, was concerned about still was about himself. He had no different opinion, as you'll see a little bit later. Actually, all I want to do is save himself. Help! Help! Nothing. When you're sinking down a fish and you're going down, just down the gullet of the big fish, you know, and you're starting to be sucked down. Well, you feel it drawing your feet down, and you can't hold on to its tongue, and you're gradually going back. At that point, your praying has got a different level of energy in it. Just really, really, oh, I'm so sorry. God, forgive me. Yeah, that, that kind of prayer always gets good results from God. Often we're not quite at that frenzy yet, you know. We just need to be sucked down a little further into that hole. <laughs> and so then he vanished into the fish, into the darkness. And of course, but his last prayer was that God would save him and God saved him. God saw. See, God doesn't want us destroyed. God wants us to arise and fulfill his destiny, carry his presence to people that don't know him. And so God gave him three days and three nights. And this is what the clever thing about God is he's able to use that thing there to become a picture later on of Jesus in the tomb, dead for three days, three nights, and rising from the dead. So even the prophet's failure, God turned it into something good. Jesus quoted it even. So even the things you did wrong, God can turn them around. He's got power to change death into life. That which is a failure, a stepping stone to success, God can do that. That's the God we serve. And so God is so. 
when, when his time was up, three days, three nights, and he's thoroughly bleached by the, bio, the, the, the fish juices in there. And then the juice, and then the fish is the biggest bellyache you've ever had. He comes into the land, and there it is, spits him out, says that. Come on, read it over there. And God spoke. The word, there it is, verse 10. God spoke to the fish. I wonder what he said. Chuck! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and so it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. He must have come in quite close to the shore, and it was a power chuck. Out he went. There he is on dry land. And now look. You think like God would say, oh man, I'm so sure you've had a hard time there. He didn't say, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. The plan is unchanged. See? So when you get back on course with God, it'll be the same thing, what you ran away from before. Go to that. God's plan doesn't change. We've got opinions, you see. So he went. He rose and he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. It was a exceeding great city, three-day journey to walk around it. It's a long way, isn't it? And he began to enter the city on the first day's walk and cried out, 40 days and Nineveh should be overthrown. Now notice this, he said, give the message I tell you. So when he turned around, you notice what do you do? Your, your, uh, your assignment requires that you actually have to embrace it with your heart. You notice what he had? He had a word from God. Now the, 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 the thing that you speak is what God has revealed to you. That's what he gives you to speak. That's why your testimony is so wonderful, because your testimony is what God has given you to speak. You say, well, I don't know how to preach. Don't worry about the preaching. Whatever God has given you and revealed to you is what you share. Did God show you something? Some truth? See, the thing is, God's not interested in head knowledge. He wants life experience that's transferable to other people. So your experiences with God are the word that God gives you to bring to someone else. You got a healing, you got a healing word. You got deliverance, you got a deliverance word. You got a breakthrough in finance, you got a word on finance for people, you see? Whatever you testify, actually then you begin to reveal Jesus as you do that. But you got to open your mouth and speak. Man, we should everyone here jumping up wanting to testify. All the time, wanting to testify. Oh, choose me, pick me. You know, why? Because, because when we do that, we revisit what God has done and we release the same anointing that we had out to other people to get blessed and to come into it as well. So it's remarkable how that works. And see, so to fulfill our assignment, we need to embrace God's purpose and embrace His presence. And of course, what will happen is it's always God will send you to people. And here's where the dilemma was. God sent him to the people. He, he reluctantly agreed to go, but his heart had not been enlarged yet. And so he went. And then we just read it there. And so the people of Nineveh believed God. We'll come back to that. Proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And so they all turned. And then Jonah, that verse 10. Then Jonah saw their work, God saw their works, they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster he had said he'd bring on them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. Now, you notice what's happened here, what is in his heart. He was not happy that God showed kindness to people. Why? Because he, in his thinking, they don't deserve it. His mentality is, if people deserve it, then they can get some goodness. If they don't deserve it, they shouldn't get it. That is a world carnal mentality. It's a flesh mentality. And the Bible says, if you're kind to those who are kind to you, well, what grace is in that? Anyone can do that. If you're good to those who are good to you, what grace is in that? Luke 6. See, but the real grace of God is seen when you show blessing to people who don't deserve it. And you know when you do it genuinely, people are impacted. How come you did that? You know what's in it for you? Nothing. Just want to show you God loves you. Oh, really? 
you know, and they, they kind of almost can't believe that goodness could be given to them without a, without a string attached. That's why when Christians do stuff with strings attached, it's so grievous because God is not honored. You turn out to be a cheat just like everyone else, trying to do a barter system under the guise of looking as they can't. But God doesn't like that. God wants us to be generous. So you notice the things that were there. First of all, it was this issue of judging. He had judging in his heart. He, he, he looked at the people, found them lacking, and closed his heart and judged them. Now, this is a real problem for Christians, to close our heart and judge people as not being deserving of kindness. It's called a judgmental spirit. It's also called a Pharisee spirit. It's a religious thing that gets around, and when it gets on you, you divide your world up into those who are deserving of kindness and those who are not deserving of kindness based on you being the judge. And that kind of spirit, when it gets around a person, it becomes a leaven that fills a Christian's life. We cannot afford to be judgmental. Now, I'm not saying you don't find, uh, evaluate issues and, and be upright and up forth about talking about issues. That's biblical to do that. We're talking about having a judgmental attitude where you close your heart against people and there's a coldness, a lack of warmth and a lack of opening your heart to make them welcome and show the kindness of God to them. We are called to represent God. That's why you got water baptized. You said, my old life is over. I'm buried, dead. Now I'm raised to a new life, the life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit is different. It's a gracious life. It's a life where the Holy Spirit manifests through it, and God shows kindness to people. He's a gracious God. So you notice what happened is you become, not only that, he got very angry. Notice his prayer. Ah! I knew it. Notice what he said in verse 2. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah! And what is that? Ah, Lord, ah, ah, I told you I knew you'd do some trick like this. When I was still in my country, I, that's why I fled to Tarshish. And so now we find why he ran away. He did not want them to get saved. He knew God is good. And if he went and started talking about God, they're going to get saved. And he didn't want them saved, so he wouldn't go. That's why he ran away. He just disagreed with God about the value of people. That's a pretty fundamental thing, isn't it? And we disagree with God about the value of people when we look at them and disapprove and find them failing, lacking, or something wrong and then we judge in our heart, we become just like Jonah. And then we get angry with people. So he got very angry. Got really angry. Got so angry, got depressed, and sat down under a tree. And he said, take away my life. It's better to die than to live. He's really having a bad Monday, a black dog day. And how did he get a black dog day? Started when he ran away from God, disagreed with God, disagreed with God's way of running the world, and then got angry about that, and then got depressed and sat down and wanted to die. What a misery. Here God asked him a question. Is it right for you to be so angry? Or in other words, how come you're so angry? I just showed kindness to people who didn't deserve it. It's my world. Can't I show kindness to people I like? I made them all up. I value them even if you don't. Can't I show kindness to them? Why are you so angry? I show kindness to them. Why are you so upset? I bless them. Why are you so angry about that? See, the prodigal son, his brother got angry. See, the sun went out, blows his life, blows the dough, goes out, wine, woman, song, fast cut, blows everything up, ends up a mess with the pigs, come back. And you know, you know what, the, brother, the older brother's there, he's working faithfully all the time, and this younger, younger brother comes up, and he's got the sick, oh, look at this guy, come, hey, smells of the pigs. What, what do you think you're doing? 
The father goes over and hugs him and welcomes him in, gets him cleaned up, restores him, celebrates, throws a party. And the older son, you never gave me a party. You see that? Because his thinking is like this. He didn't deserve it. And the father said, well, why are you so angry? He said, well, while you were with me, you could have asked and I'd have blessed you. He's never thought to ask and he never knew the heart of the father. It's the same picture, same exactly, Old Testament new, of having a mindset about how it ought to be and not realizing God is bigger, gracious, and more loving. We're very quick to have an opinion, very quick to jump on people, very quick to judge. And judging or working things out, the Bible says that spiritual man judges all things. But judging and being judgmental is different. Judgmental, the judging deals with an issue that keeps the heart open with love and speaks the truth. Judgmental shuts the heart, finds the person guilty and not deserving. And that is where the problem lies. That's what the problem is. He was too small in his heart. And see, God wants him. God wanted to show him, I am bigger than Israel. I have a heart for the world. I have a heart to see the city saved. But they don't deserve it, Lord. That's not the point. I want you to represent me. Not have your own opinions about me. I want to show that I'm a gracious God. That's who I really am. But I don't understand how come, you know, stop arguing. Get revelation of how big I am. Enlarge your heart to embrace a bigger group of people. See, we divide them up to the ones we like, the ones we mix with, the ones we don't. And it's like it come, the world gets divided up and, and that a form of partiality comes in. And you, you, you wall out people rather than just making every person welcome in your world. Why do you make them welcome in your world? Because you're an ambassador. And God makes them welcome. If you're angry, something got on your way. Why don't you repent, come back to the Lord? You know, he's still justifying his anger. He said, haven't I got a reason to be? And Jonah went out and he got angry again. Verse uh, 80, he wished for death in himself. It's better to die than to live. And the Lord said, you're angry about a plant. You're angry about a plant? What about these people over here? They're more valuable than plants. See? Shouldn't they have, have pity or compassion? And so we see God wants us to enlarge our heart to break out of those limitations and begin to believe God. Notice in chapter 3, verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. And when you believe God, instead of arguing with Him and having opinions that are non-biblical and definitely don't represent God, you fall away from the life of the Spirit. That was where he went off track. He had his opinions. But you see, the people of Nineveh didn't know anything. They believed God. And when you believe God, you make room for God's power to work in your life. When we believe I'm an ambassador of Christ, it makes room for that to take place. When I believe I can have an influence in my city, an influence in my workplace, it makes room for God to move. Faith brings the supernatural into the natural they believed God, which is a bit more than Jonah did. Strange how people who don't even know God, when they get the first touch, can believe Him. So what do you believe in? Do you believe in your problems? Oh, my brother, you have big problems. Or do you believe in a God who's bigger than every problem? I don't know there's any problem that's too big for God. Do you? Do you believe in your disappointments? Do you believe in your offenses? Do you believe in your feelings? Do you believe in the struggles? What do you really believe? Because as a man thinks and believes in his heart, that's how he'll be. But if something rose up and 
we began to get understanding of how big God is and how great God is and how wonderful God is and began to set our mind daily that this great God that I serve is in me and with me and flowing through me to touch people. It will change how you connect with people, how you reach out to the people around you, what you're like on a daily basis if you believe God. Jesus said to the man with the son that was demonized, hey, he said this, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So if I will get God's word, what he says into my heart and begin to meditate on it and believe it, then I need to speak it. This is what life is like. Oh, I see there's some things here, but I'm saying what God says it is. Faith speaks, faith acts. A lot of people wait till they feel right. So if you wait till you feel right, you'll probably wait all your life. Then you'll die not feeling very good. I want to die full of faith in the Holy Ghost. Perhaps some today, you've lost the fire. Lost the fire of God. Because you had opinions. Uh, and opinions tend to isolate you and end you up in, a, in, a, in the, the belly of a big fish. Let me close your eyes right now. Is there anyone here today? And, and, and just, you're in a place in your life where you're disconnected from God. Said these people in the city didn't really know anything. Didn't know their left hand from their right. But God loved them. So you may not be so good or so hot or have anything going right in your life, but God does love you. He values you. He's not at all partial. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross so life could come into everyone who would believe in him. The power of sin could be broken. and We could be reconnected to God and the Spirit of God live in us. What a tremendous thing to happen to us. But for that to happen requires a decision. Decision, I will open my life to this great and wonderful God who loves me. I'll let His Spirit enter my life and change me. You say, well, first I've got to change before God will do that. No, no. Let the Spirit of God get in you. He'll do the changing work. He'll change you from the inside out.